Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan, and the podcast as always is brought to you by my sponsors, ControlUp, PolicyPack Software, and Liquidware. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. So I know I only just posted an episode recently, but a big breaking news story just happened to break shortly after I published the last episode that I felt warranted an episode getting rushed out. The tech world is alight with the news of the newly disclosed Log4j2 vulnerability that's being codenamed Log4Shell, and that's listed as CVE-2021-44228, and it rates as a 10 out of 10 on the severity scale. So obviously this is as bad as it gets. The vulnerability lies in Log4j2, which is an open source Java-based logging framework commonly incorporated into Apache web servers. The vulnerability can potentially allow an attacker to provide a string that is interpreted as a variable that once expanded results in the loading and invocation of a remote Java class file. CrowdStrike reports that whether a particular service is exploitable depends on its specific usage of Log4j2. One of the early examples was a successful exploit in the game Minecraft that was executed simply by sending a particular string to users in the game chat. Log4j2 is used for logging on all kinds of services, so this has the possibility of being extremely disruptive. Another example of a very simple yet invasive exploit was possible on Apple's servers when simply renaming an Apple device with a particular string to force the log service to interpret the string and open Pandora's box potentially. And in enterprise, some other prime examples of this is VMware products that rely heavily on Log4 for their bundle logs as any VMware admin would be familiar with. VMware published an advisory that seems to include pretty much every product they have made. I'm sure it's not every product, but it just it's a long list. Um, their advisory contains the versions you need to be on for the fixes, which unfortunately, most products listed as vulnerable currently do not have a patch. Some have possible workarounds listed, but not all do. And in that same wheelhouse, Citrix did publish a Citrix article on this. And they listed some products that may be potentially vulnerable, but have yet to confirm. So they're running a little bit behind right now. I did see on LinkedIn that Ronan O'Brien did share something around this pertaining to Citrix. He said that if you're running Citrix ADC Premium Edition, you could protect your backend resources from this recent vulnerability. If you're already using WAF with a signature with auto update enabled, just perform the following four steps. One, verify that the signature version is at least version 72. Two, search your signatures for CVE-2021-44228 log string. Then select the results and choose enable rules and then click OK. It will be interesting to see what Citrix officially comes out with. Uh, Presumably it will be in the next few hours or possibly tomorrow or Monday. Unify for their part, they seem to have a fix very quickly 
uh, even quicker than anyone else, I believe. They published their fix shortly after the story caught fire. In fact, I went to bed pretty early on Friday night, and when I woke up, I had a lot of emails about the vulnerability via the patch management Google Mail group. So I saw those emails when I woke up, and then I opened Twitter, and I saw the shite storm that was going on uh, on the InfoSec Twitter. And then I also saw a message in my Slack workspace from a colleague mentioning Unify, our ubiquity. Then I logged into my own network to my own devices and found that two out of three of my appliances had already taken the patch because I had auto updates enabled, but the third one failed. But a quick reboot fixed that problem. So if you're like me and you have auto updates enabled, it's still a good idea to go in and check and make sure that the patch was successful on all your appliances. Way to go Unify for getting a fix out there so quickly. It has been suggested by Ars Technica that anything using Apache struts could be affected. Multiple sources in InfoSec have reported mass scanning events from hackers looking for the opportunity to exploit the vulnerability. As Minecraft, the example I brought up earlier, was the first to get hit with an exploit, they also quickly got a fixed version of the game out there. And again, in Enterprise, much of Cisco's product suite, including Jabber and WebEx products, are affected, and at the time of this recording, no workarounds or fixes have been provided. Probably more worrying will be Cisco's network products that are obviously designed to be exposed on the internet. Cisco have indicated they are working on it and will be publishing workarounds and fixes on a link provided with their advisory. And this is really, really widespread. Sammy Leho shared a GitHub repository by SwitHack that appears to contain a running list of known vulnerable products. It includes everything from McAfee, Netflix, Pulse Secure, Palo Alto, RSA, Sophos, and even GitHub itself. Be sure to check out this list. And if you own any of the products affected, the list also includes each vendor's advisory to allow you to quickly and easily check if they have a patch or a workaround available. My fellow Irishman, Ronan Murphy, reported that his knock detected active and ongoing attempts to exploit the vulnerability. And as I suggested, Ars Technica have also shared information on mass scanning events occurring. So this is unfortunately very, very active already and it's one that can't wait until Monday. Now, it can't wait until Monday, but unfortunately, a lot of vendors are obviously caught on the hop as well, so there's not workarounds and fixes available for everything yet. So just have to probably be prepared, go through lists of the advisories, see if you currently use those products in your environment, and just keep tabs on those advisories as they get updated and as a patch is available. I did notice the products that seem to have already been patched tend to be SaaS applications. So it'd be interesting to see if this one um, leans into the cloud versus on-prem argument in future. It could be a defining moment possibly. So that's the important part of the story covered. I feel given its severity and wide reaching impact, this warranted an episode being rushed out like this. A little more background on the vulnerability in the core log 4j2 product itself the service did receive a few patches that were already released in november and early december for vulnerabilities in the product but these were deemed incomplete as of december 10th 2021 version log 4j2 2.15.0-rc2 
is recommended for use. However, guidance around this could change as more information is uncovered. Obviously, the version being used within the products that you're using would probably depend on what those vendors are using within those products. So, you know, they're potentially being a fixed version and this means nothing until the vendor who's using this for logging in the product that you're using updates their product. And on that point, and to also try to end on a somewhat comical note, Swift on security on Twitter tweeted, quote, a vendor gets on a P1 vulnerability call and reassures you the version of a library in their product isn't vulnerable to a zero day because they last updated in 2007 and it's too old. It's like that conspiracy theory that Vladimir Putin is rocking Windows XP still because no one's trying to hack it anymore because nobody uses it. Security by obscurity. If you want to check out any of the resources that I used for reporting on this story, I'll share all of them with this episode, which is episode 207 on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. And I'll also include that link to the GitHub repository with the list of advisories and products affected. Since we're here, we might as well also cover some other news stories. Just a quick note from my neck of the woods. But on several episodes of the podcast, I covered the crippling cyber attack against the Irish health system, the HSE, back in May. And everything that ensued afterwards as well was covered pretty much, at least what they made public. Well, now a 157-page incident report was published, and it was even noted as the most comprehensive public account that Kevin Beaumont, the security researcher, has ever seen. As an Irish techie, I found it a little embarrassing to read things like the fact that the HSE was so inadequately staffed for security, they were still on Windows 7, they also had no contingency planning in place, and while our media played up on the fact that they were lacking in staffing and expertise for an organization of their size, Kevin, who is awesome and everyone should follow on Twitter, actually took it another way and said that reading through the report he has come across many organizations with the same security issues. Which is refreshingly honest for someone to say rather than to pile on, but also a little worrying. Ars Technica also reported this week that Firefox version 95 has been released. The new macOS version reduces CPU usage during event processing and that power usage is reduced while streaming video from the sites like Netflix, especially in full screen mode. MacOS users will also get a faster content process startup and will enjoy memory allocator improvements for better overall performance. And on both MacOS and Windows, Mozilla has improved page load performance by speculatively compiling JavaScript ahead of time. Probably the biggest feature in this version is RLBox, which is now enabled on all platforms, which is a new sandboxing technique that isolates potentially problematic code in WebAssembly and protects users from threats. Mozilla claimed that the new feature protects users from accidental defects as well as supply chain attacks. And finally on the news front, Ed Bot at ZDNet reported that the default grace period after upgrading from Windows 10 to Windows 11 is by default 10 days. And he explains that he feels it's somewhat arbitrary, but that Microsoft through telemetry data suggests that those who want to roll back typically do so within a week. He states that the 10 days was introduced for the Windows 10 feature updates, 
which are obviously quite different to a complete major version upgrade of an OS. In the article, Ed also outlines the DISM commands that you can use to extend the grace period to up to 60 days, but he also suggests that doing so to maybe roll back that late on could have some unexpected quirks too. And now some scripts, tricks, and tips. Mario Sambu shared an article that he created on how to configure an automated Azure Virtual Desktop scaling. So obviously, automated scaling is a big need and ask within AVD. So pretty good article to read. My buddy Jeremy shared an excellent Microsoft Mechanics video that features Dave Weston doing a really great job of explaining the security behind Windows 11 and explaining TPM, which is the Trusted Platform Module. If you're wondering what the heck that is and why it's so important, check out this video for a really great explanation. Paul Wynn Stanley, my buddy, had published an article this week on migrating Microsoft 365 apps from 32-bit to 64-bit in Intune via a Win32 app. And finally, Morden Petholt had a very great blog and timely for me because I'm so into Windows 365 at the moment. Uh, but his blog post is on securing Windows 365 with Azure MFA, which at least particularly for the business desktop, it's kind of a security nightmare and black hole. You really need to get in there and configure things because the default settings aren't very secure and this is an added layer of protection. So like I said, I wanted to rush out an episode even though I just published one. I hope you guys appreciate it. I'm not sure if this is going to knock the sequence of the next few episodes out of line or not, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Thank you so much. And anyone who has to deal with the fallout from this vulnerability, I wish you all the best of luck and stay strong. Have a good week.